joining me today. I'm powered by Manscaped. And go to promo code MAXWELL20, and you can get some money off on this thing. This is one of those great devices that you can use. And also Awaken 180. If you want to lose weight in this pandemic, this is where you reach out. Awaken 180. I am in Charlotte. Yep. And you know, with the school there, love Charlotte. Where are you living in Charlotte? So I'm in South Charlotte. I'm in Longview, down in the Ballantyne Ray Road area. Oh yeah, I used to live over near South Park. That was my okay. place, man. I Where'd love. You go to school? I went to school at UNC Charlotte. Oh, I did. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Up, up north a little bit. A good little ride away. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back after things I saw about you. I just loved it, man. There was some stuff about South Carolina that I looked at. Uh, you know Atlantic Beach? Yeah, of course. Man, I went there and see, wasn't way older than you. I went there in 1963 and I was on the beach and the beach had a, a fence that went from the beach into the water as long as the football field to keep the blacks from the whites. Atlantic and, Beach is still, it's still like that today. <laughs> Oh, no, it's, it's called, they call it the Black Pearl. Come on, seriously? Yeah, Atlantic Beach, that Myrtle Beach has its, has its issues. It, there's a great deal of segregation. I still go a lot um, down to Garden City, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot down there. You know, of all the things which I think is the craziest, the fact that my, uh, my son was the first Black lifeguard in Myrtle Beach. And this was, he's, yeah, he's, He's maybe, Madison's about, maybe about 33 now. And they used to look at him like, mom, I want to take a picture with the black lifeguard. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you want to say Aquaman. I know, okay. man, but that's, that's not even a, you know, that's my generation right there. That shows you I, I uh, Look, I understand. Well, well I'm going to get to this and, and let you get on. I know you've been so busy, but, you know, so, so glad to have you. Uh, Bukari Sellers here with me, Cedric Maxwell on my podcast. Dude, I'm gonna start out very easy and give sure. you the easiest snowball question of them all. Read about your profile. The rock of your family can't be you, but it has to be your wife. Tell yeah. us a little about her, Ellen and your kids. I, I just love the profile and looking at you with her, you look so happy. <laughs> yeah, so she is, uh, and we have a 15 year old um, who is, in 10th grade, she just started 10th grade this year, had to think about that. Haven't missed a day of, of first, first day of school since she's been in kindergarten. So we, we had that, they're actually going to school in person. So a little uneasy about that, but we'll, we'll pray about that. And then I have 19 month old twins. Uh, that, that was incredible to see that, that you had twin daughters. No, one daughter, one son, one daughter, one son. Oh, okay, one daughter. But just for to have kids like that at your age and now with the pandemic and, and race and all this, how are you teaching your kids? And it's going to be a different between the young ones and the older ones, you know, yeah. just a different level. Well, I hope so. I mean, I, the, the prayer is that, you know, the, what my 15-year-old is living through right now, the twins won't necessarily have to live through, hopefully, in that, you know, 14-and-a-half-year gap, 13-and-a-half-year gap. Um, we'll be able to create some um, long-standing cultural, political, and social changes that uh, my twins may have an easier time than my 15-year-old does, because she's dealing with issues of race even at, as, a, as a teenager right now and interacting. I mean, they watch. You, you got to understand that um, when you are, a, if you are a young, young person, a teen in particular, then you, you've grown up 
um, knowing that your president is Donald Trump, knowing the overlay of race in this country, uh, living through Charlottesville, completely being able to understand George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And so I hope that my, um, my, my younger children will be able to escape some of those traumas. Reading your book, Vanishing Country, what were you trying to tell the nation about your process or how you live? So, I mean, it, it was a few things. I think that, you know, being a child of the movement, growing up with my father and Snake, growing up around Marion Barry and Julian Bond, learning the lessons of Ella Baker and Fannie Lou Hamer, et cetera. You know, it's just um, everything that I see politically, socially, culturally, I look at through the lens of the movement. I'm a child of the movement. And, you know, the best example is while a, a lot of people know John Lewis from 1986 forward since his time in Congress, you know, I remember John Lewis, um, learning of John Lewis um, in 61, uh, 2, and 3 when he was, you know, chair of SNCC. And um, that's just my, my, my perspective. In the book, what I attempted to do was give Black folk who read this a sense of uh, pride, um, understanding that even with the traumas that we all have, we can make it through. And, and white folk who read this a sense of understanding. And it's amazing. You never want a book to come out during the middle of a pandemic, uh, but it came out right on time. Uh, when people were searching for these resources. One of the things I, I heard you say, and I thought it was brilliant, and, but I want you to explain it to, to, to my listeners. You talked about it's good that, I guess, the whole society, they want to change things about no more, uh, we're not gonna have Aunt Mama, it's not gonna be, and we're not gonna have Uncle Ben's rice anymore. And you said that's a, you know, eh, you know that's, that's a little, uh, a band-aid on it, but you, you went on to explain that, you know, you have to do more, just not yeah. something superficial. And I thought that was really good. Yeah. So, you know, while people want to um, change Aunt Jamama or change the, the picture of Uncle Ben, you know, for me, I, I've always thought I never wanted to make the, the man who sells yellow paint rich, meaning that, <laughs> you know, Black Lives Matters in the middle of the street. But what does that what does that really do? Um, you know, you have companies that are giving away a million or $2 million and that's good. I mean, I'm, we gonna take the money. Don't get me wrong, but what does your, what does your C-suite look like? What do your executives look like? Um, how are you elevating people of color and women in your business? Are you paying them what they're worth? Um, do you have just a vice president of diversity or do you have somebody there that you actually listen to? And so you have all of these, um, you have a, a lot of performance um, performative uh, uh, justice, but I, I, I want people to remember that, that justice is a verb and we have to begin to change culture and just symbolic change isn't enough. So my whole thing is people ask me, is this time different? And I'm like, it feels that way, but you know, the age of political saying, you have to trust but verify. I, I want you to finish this line for me. Sure. Black Lives Matter. What are you gonna do about voting? So, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, the dot, 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 dot is you vote like your life depends on it. There was once a famous man in this country who said, uh, what do you have to lose, right? And I think that we're seeing what we have to lose, whether or not it's the pandemic, which is taking away any semblance of wealth we've had in our communities, or the fact that, you know, black and brown people are dying at higher rates. 
um, whether or not it's just the fractured systems of, of oppression that we have in this country, we have a lot to lose. And so my dot, dot, dot is vote like your life depends on it because it really does. 2020 has been the craziest year, not only for, for society, but also for sports. And, you know, Kobe Bryant passes away this year. I thought that was, was going to be the roughest moment of the year. I <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and, but you look at it and it just seems like it's just, everything has just kind of catapulted. And, you know, with Donald Trump, uh, you know, George Floyd, you know, eight minutes and 46 seconds will go down like forever. We will think about that like forever, like 9-11. Those will be numbers. In, in your perspective, how do you really look at this year? I mean, it, it's been so crazy. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to, I refuse to walk down this path with you because this year ain't over yet. So I don't know <laughs> what is on the other side. Don't have me out here saying it ain't going to get no, uh, no worse, but then it can. I just saw a note this morning from NASA, this true story. Uh, the day before the election, November 2nd, an asteroid is supposed to barely miss the Earth. Um, so, like, like I'll tell you, that, that means early vote. That's what that means to me. Uh, so, I don't know, man. You know, I remember, I remember when Kobe passed away, I was in the airport. I'm in a chat group with uh, three other, three other uh, uh, just all, four other awesome individuals. Um, and uh, he sent me a link from TMZ. Um, and I just didn't want to believe it. And I was flying to DC to do, um, to do a special that night on, um, on CNN. And um, we ended up canceling the special because of the, because of the news around Kobe Bryant. And just to watch, um, just to watch the strength of, of his wife over this time, you know, losing not just Kobe, but Gigi, but watching Vanessa's strength has just been something that, you know, I think I would probably fall apart. Um, but just watching her strength has been something that's admirable. And we miss Kobe, especially during this time. I think we're about to roll up on 824, which is going to be a, a, a national, um, a, a citywide holiday in LA. And, um, you know, arguably the, probably not arguably, the second, second best shooting guard to ever play the game, top 10 player to ever play the game. Well, you know, and, and there's one of the things where I thought was something else. Or little birdie tells me that you know you are a big football fan. You talked about how you wanted to do tailgating uh, with at uh, I think it was at the Gamecocks for South yeah, Carolina. Yeah. You, sure you, you got right. to be missing that. I, so yeah, I mean, I think, and you know, when people ask, you know, do elections matter, right? Yeah, I mean, we're not even having. The SEC apparently is going to try to play this year, but I, you know, I love, I, oh, that's what I do on Saturdays. I love watching my Gamecocks play the last three years has been, um, has been a lot of, a lot of tragedy on Saturdays uh, with Will Muschamp. But yeah, you know, tailgating, enjoying going in, hearing 90,000 people. We won't even be able to be in the stands this year. You won't even be able to tailgate like that. Um, so it's just a, it, it's a tough, tough go. But yeah, I love, I'm a huge sports fan, basketball, baseball, um, football, soccer, watch it all. I'm glad you opened that up. And if, if that's the case, I always ask uh, some of my guests a great question, and, and I'd, I'd love to put it to you. And you can't be wrong with this. Give me your Mount Rushmore sports. Of sports or of, of sports. sports? Of sports. Your Mount, this is Bakari Sellers' Mount Rushmore of sports. In your backyard, you're building, you're building that Mount Rushmore, and you got four uh, slots. Well, with four slots, 
with four slots, you got to have Muhammad Ali. I think that's a universal slot. Um, I, I think that, you know, Jackie Robinson or Hank Aaron. Okay, you got, is, are you got one, it's one or the other. It can't be Jackie Robinson, it, or, or you can have both of them, but then no, you'll no, have I'll one do. slot left. Yeah, no, I do, I do, I do. Hank Aaron, I, I love, I love the work that Hank's still doing today. I know, I know Jackie's doing it really well, so she'll probably be mad at me about that. But uh, um, let's see. And then um, um, I would say uh, Serena Williams. Pitt, and you, you put, you took one of mine. So that is, that's unbelievable. You're the first person that took one of mine. And probably. And probably Pele. Wow, wow. That, that I yeah, mean, Brown, I was thinking about I was thinking about Jim Brown. He didn't play long enough. I was thinking about Jerry Rice, but Jerry Rice did that Church's Chicken commercial with the fried chicken <laughs> strapped onto the helmet. So he ain't on nobody's mountain, nothing no more. Um, so yeah, Pele, Serena, Hank Aaron, and uh, and Muhammad Ali. And and so. So with that, and again, you can't be wrong. So you, you left out Michael Jordan and you left out Tiger Woods, right? So Tiger, Tiger is right number five. <laughs> Tiger is, Tiger, if we had another slot, Tiger would be on it. Michael Jordan is not even the greatest basketball player to ever played a game. Wow. Okay, give me your best basketball player ever played a game. So my, my, my two, I, I actually put Jordan at, Maybe two, maybe three, but LeBron James um, and Kareem are, are are right there. Wow, you know that that's 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 kind of new age. Uh, you're 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 really new age because so many people right now are going to be throwing shit at my at your in my camera because they was like, well, he said what LeBron, and, and this is what I really believe about LeBron, and and I think that he to a point. This is the point I make about him. He's the goat to me because of what he's done socially for yeah. black people and people of color. He's taken on a whole line that Michael Jordan didn't take on. Now, it wasn't Michael's fault, but he still didn't take it on. And LeBron has taken on every mantle possible. Yeah, so Mike is actually doing that now. Like his post-playing career, he's actually stepping up to the plate in and around the Charlotte area, doing stuff that people don't even know about. Um, but one of the reasons, and, and people talk about championships, um, I, I remind folk all the time that it's not an individual sport and y'all can't even, I mean, um, you, you go to the NBA finals with Eric Snow and uh, Sasha Pavlovich and Zadrunas Ilgowskis and Drew Gooden um, and like Booby Gibson. I mean, if you drag them to the finals, then, you know, and you don't win. Yeah, I don't, you know, are you trying to say you couldn't get them in your backyard game? You would have that would be no, you can't play, dude. I don't know. Zadrunas maybe he was an all star, but that that was about that was about it. I mean, but and you know, Mike played with, you know, uh, people forget Tony Kukoc was one of the greatest players in the world at the time. Scottie Pippen, of course, one of the hundred greatest to play the game. So I mean, he he went Dennis Rodman, you know, Hall of Famer. So he wasn't playing with slouches. Um, but I do think LeBron LeBron is the only athlete to ever have that level of expectation from childhood forward and not only meet that level of expectation, but exceed it, you know, from, from the, you know, the sports illustrated covers to the, you know, the, the, the chosen one, all of these things. And he's met that expectation. If he wins a, if he wins a NBA championship in LA, 
regardless of whether or not it's in the bubble or on the moon, I, I think that debate's pretty much over. I'll ask you a question. I know nobody's really asked you in a while. Give me a positive that Donald Trump has done. Um, I think he's taken some admirable steps around criminal justice. Um, you know, I, I think that he probably regrets that now and had to be pulled there. But nonetheless, I think he's taken some admirable steps uh, with the First Steps Act. It, it truly was a first step. It, it was nowhere near big enough or bold enough. But, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I look forward to, you know, Biden and Harris being able to, um, you know, complete that task. If he, if the, if we got to go 10 yards to score, um, he took us, you know, two and a half. And so we got to, we, we have, we still have a couple of plays to pull out. And I think that Biden and Harris will get us there. Kamala, Kamala means what right now to us as, as people? What well, statement does it make to, you know, to us, to, to women, to little girls, to your daughter? What does yeah. it mean? So it means so much. I mean, because, you know, there's so much you can see in Kamala. You know, her mom is Indian. Her dad was Jamaican, you know, immigrants. Um, she's the daughter of immigrants. She grew up to a single mom because her dad left at an early age. So you can, if you grew up with a single mom, you can feel that. She's a mother herself now. Um, she's a black woman, um, you know, so there's so much history. She went to an HBCU. She's a part of a divine nine sorority, as you hear my kids in the background. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, I know. It's working from home. Um, and so there's so much of there's so much of America that we can see in her and she's bold. She's compassionate. I just, uh, you know, spoke to her and Dougie this morning, wishing them a happy anniversary. Um, and she's tenacious and she's going to um, be somebody who is extremely tough, compassionate and at the end of the day sees us. And, you know, I know that she's going to work extremely hard as vice president to to not only do right by people of color, but do right by everyone in this country. What is, what is Mike Pence thinking right now that he has to do a oh, he, debate right now against Kamala Harris? What? Yeah, he's, he's scared shitless. The problem that he has, the problem that he, that he's going to have is that he's not, you know, they, Donald Trump and Mike Pence do not um, interact well with women of power. Dot, 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 particularly women of power who are of color. Why, why, is the, why does the word nasty always come along with that? Because the, the limited vocabulary. I mean, he, that's all they got. I mean, whether or not it's April Ryan or Yamish or uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, I mean, they don't, have a, they don't have a vocabulary. They don't know. And so he, 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 they are spending more time right now, I can guarantee you. Well, they're preparing for his speech next week. But after his speech, they will spend more time preparing for how they even address Kamala, do they call her Kamala? Do they call her Ms. Harris? Do they call her Senator Harris? I mean, they, they are going to spend more time trying to figure out how they address her, the tone, the mannerisms, than uh, actually preparing. It's going to be a fascinating debate, but I know she's going to be very prepared. You've been around for a while and you talk about the movement. Has this country ever been so splintered? I grew up in the 50s. I grew up when there was segregation. I just told you about the situation that I was in the, at a beach in South Carolina. And oh my God, I couldn't believe that there was a fence in the water to separate blacks from whites. Has it ever, has it ever been a time like this that you actually remember? That I remember? No, but I mean, that I know of, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I wasn't around in 1968, but Tom Brokaw writes the book, he calls it Boom 1968. Cause not only did you have the Orangeburg massacre where my father, 
and 28 others were shot, three were killed at South Carolina State, but that was in February and April, you had the assassination of King. In June, you had the assassination of Robert Kennedy and you had soldiers coming home, especially many black soldiers coming home from Vietnam still being treated like second-class citizens. And so uh, the country was becoming untethered. Um, and so we've been here before. I mean, I don't, I don't think that this is a, a new phenomenon. I think that the, the difference between as my father would tell me, the difference between Donald Trump and Richard Nixon is you could shame Richard Nixon and Donald Trump has no shame. What I, I, I hear from you too is just really the roots of your father though, of, of just such a strong black man that raised you and all the things that you learned from him. And I'm sure you're passing it down to your kids. It, it, that must be a, a great legacy. Yeah, I mean, but being a parent and being a father is a, you know, as you know, is a is a daily thing, man. You don't, I don't know if I'm getting it right. I guess I get thing later. I just, I just try to try to not mess up. Let them know that I love them and and try to lead by example because I, I don't know what else I'm doing. Um, so, you know, those, you know, being a husband and a father are your two most important jobs. I truly believe that, and uh, they they're also, especially the husband part, also is another another full time. <laughs> Myself with, with minimum pay. I'm gonna have to speak to somebody about my labor rights in this man. <laughs> I, I I I watched you, and you're so big on CNN. Have they ever had you on the other network, Fox, doing anything? No, no. So or, or I, are they afraid to have you on? Because so I would I, love to, I would love to see you with Tucker Carlson. I would love to. I, I would I, love to put you two guys in the cage match. Yeah, no, Tucker's a little fella. Uh, I um, So I signed to CNN in 2015, and right before that, I did a lot of MSNBC, a lot of Morning Joe, a lot of, uh, uh, it, it wasn't AM Joy at the time. It was, uh, oh, I can't recall my friend's name on Saturday mornings. Uh, but then I got signed to CNN. But during that time, I also refused to do um, Fox. Uh, I, I did like and was friends with Eric Bowling, who's no longer there. Um, but I, I just, Rush Limbaugh would try to have, not Rush, uh, Bill O'Reilly would try to have me on and I just refused. Mm. I mean, I, I don't have the, I don't see the, the uh, necessity or, or have the bandwidth to go up and have to reaffirm uh, my, my identity and start from that point with folk. And um, you know, try to have somebody yell at me about my existence and about what that mean, what it means for me to be black in this country. So I, I just instead of waste my time, move on where I can have a more more um, fulfilling conversation that viewers can get more from. I've seen you get irritated with Donald Trump, things he said, mad, but I've also seen you even get madder when it was a uh, gentleman you were working with. His name was Paris. It oh. was like there were, there, were, there were times like you wanted to just grab this guy and just shake the life out of him. Well, Paris, Paris, uh, you know, I, I, Paris called me today and was like, let's go get a beer. I'll go get a beer with Paris. Like, I, I just, Paris was frustrating because he was, and I don't mean to sound condescending, but he knew better, right? You know, how you, it's just people who, um, who kind of who understand the experience but take positions for something else and some other goal in life and I'm not sure what that is and so it was more of a kind of disappointment than a than an anger with Paris you know we're all friends like I was friends with Kaylee McEnany I was friends with Sarah Huckabee Sanders um you know we go on TV and we have it out me and Kaylee used to have have knockdown drag outs on Anderson Cooper where 
they would just, it would be a panel of eight people and Anderson would just back up and just let us talk for like eight minutes to, through commercial breaks. And then we would just go have a, go across the street to, because uh, our studios were at uh, um, uh, Columbus Circle in time, uh, right, in, right, um, right in New York. And we would go across the street to this amazing sushi restaurant and have sushi and wine with people like Donna Brazil. One day Morgan Freeman came over. So it was just, it was just a, that's just, it was a family thing. Um, and you see them now and you just, you just pray for them. The person that you've been most intimidated by, like you meet this person, you're going, just your, your breath kind of goes back. That hasn't happened to me since I was 12. And I was in the airport. I was headed to LA with my mom, maybe 11. And I was in Salt Lake City and I saw Kareem in the airport too. And I walked up to him to get an autograph and he said no. But uh, <laughs> that was the only time I was kind of, I, I, there's not a, I don't think there's a man or woman uh, who can, I mean, I've interacted many other times with Barack and Michelle. Um, you know, I, you know, I, they, from any star athlete on down, I've, I've uh, you know, seen, uh, in the, I have my really good friend, I call him my little brother, Stefan Gilmore plays for the Pats. So I've been in a locker room with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and, um, you know, I've seen Bill Belichick and uh, I, Michael Jordan golfs out here in my neighborhood. I just saw Dale Curry the other day. Uh, you know, I just don't, I don't think there's a man that could make me kind of, or woman that could make me do that at this age, at this time. But Kareem was probably the last time that happened to me. I think the, the time it happened to me that I remember and I was uh, probably more in shock was basically, oh my goodness, who is this? That's Stokely. This is one of them. Oh, they're going around. I love it. But yeah. there was, um, I just talked about, mine was uh, meeting Bill Clinton. Actually, I was uh, just Bill's in great. place and walked down in front of some people and said, you know what, uh, Mr. Clinton, how you doing? My name is Cedric Maxwell. Oh, these are adorable. I know. They just, they like TV. I don't know why they <laughs> <laughs> Bill is a great guy, though. I, I rock with Bill. I was um, on the phone with his. See, now they want to press all the buttons. See, I was on the phone with his uh, with his deputy chief of staff yesterday. Okay, okay. Just sit down, okay. And uh, Bill's a great guy. I can see that. And Bill and Hillary are amazing people. Um, I, I've seen people like I, I don't know how people get to the point where you know they go to a Michael Jackson concert and pass out. <laughs> My wife got like that one time. We were. Um, where were we? And we were, we were kind of, uh, I can't remember where we were. We were walking backstage um, near Beyonce and Jay-Z. And, you know, oh, oh I know we, we were at the DNC and she walked up on Beyonce. Uh, and Beyonce said, I'm watching my husband perform. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, that, that's about it. I told her, don't, don't be embarrassing me when I take you out no more. Man, I, you know what? I, I do appreciate it. I'm going to let you get back to your kids on the Saturday. But, uh, you know, before I let you go, the most important thing, again, is for all these young people who are in these lines protesting, they got to get out and vote. I said, if, if you don't get out and vote, you done punked out. You, you yeah, have to we done come before. You, you got you to gotta get out and vote. And I wish you the best of luck up there. I, I hope that your your Celtics continue to crush the dreams of the 76ers and, and move on. Who, but what who, happens if we meet LeBron, though? You get beat in five. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, well, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm partial because I, I like, I love Duke, and that Tatum kid is going to be one of the best players the league seen. And you got a Stone Cold killer. I don't know how y'all got Kimball Walker, but Kimball Walker is a Stone Cold killer. You're just missing something. I, I don't, maybe a healthy Gordon Hayward or something. I don't know what it is, but you'll get there. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Kiss the babies for me. Tell your wife, thank you for your time on Saturday. Thank you again for joining the Cedric Maxwell podcast. Thank you, man. Have a great day, Mr. MVP. All right, All right now. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye.